Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Wet, wet menopause. One of the things I love most about my work and play is getting to dispel myths about sexuality. Periods are meant to be troublesome. Childbirth is painful. Men are afflicted by a serious disease called premature ejaculation for which there is no cure. Libido dies after a couple of years of marriage. All lies. One of the myths that I love busting the most is the idea that menopause is a time when women dry up. They lose any and all sexual juiciness and they must resign themselves to a life of permalube and Anne Taylor. When women go through my salons, one of my most favorite things to hear back is how the women of a certain age are now orgasming, ejaculating, and lubricating all over the place without any assistance from a bottle of lube or artificial hormones. The typical prognosis for women once they hit their 40s is that they'll lose their libido, their lubrication, and their flow, and will heretofore, in the future, forever be reliant on a bottle of lube and a daily hormone regimen. I mean, it's quite a good business model if you can get it. I often say that menopausal women are the cash cow of Western medicine. Do we really think that nature is so dumb that it made women's bodies in such a way that they would be required to take outside medicine for half of their lives just to feel good? This is ridiculous. This is total fucking bullshit. In other cultures, especially non-North American ones where the pharmaceutical reach is much less, there are not even words for menopause because it's a non-event. Women get older. They stop bleeding. That's it. End of story. This transition time in their lives is easy and seamless. So why is it an issue for some women, and in particular, Western North American women? Number one reason would be programming. Even more than in Europe, aging in North America is seen as the enemy, rather than a time to be honored when one has acquired wisdom and earned respect. Getting older is the great marketing coup to acquire a new customer demographic. From plastic surgery to injectables to hormones, it's all geared towards reversing the clock. Along with physical appearance, the menopause marketing is that women's bodies pretty much collapse lapse and can't function at all without constant outside help. From daily hormones for the rest of your life to organ harvesting, they've got you covered. Seriously, Western medicine is the biggest legal voluntary organ trafficking gig on the planet. Total snake oil racket with a very dark agenda. Keep your organs, toss the lube and the hormones. You do not need their quack medicine bullshit. 
Number two reason would be stress. Most people fuel themselves with coffee and cortisol. They live in a constant state of stress. In women, if this has been an ongoing pattern once they hit menopause, what ought to be an easy reconfiguration in the body is now a taxing one. All of their body's energy goes toward making stress hormones because the body thinks that it is in a perpetual survival state. There is nothing left over to generate their reproductive hormones, so they may experience menopause as a tipping point and then manifest some of the symptoms that women talk about. But let's be clear, these symptoms are indicative of some kind of imbalance, not as a normal way of going through this part of a woman's life. It's become normalized in the way that I talk about the normalization of dysfunction that is very hallmark of Western medicine. But it's not normal. Being dripping wet and giving your partner blowjobs all over the house and having sex twice a day and ejaculating across the room is normal, at least in Anami land. Reason number three would be the misuse and ignorance of what their own creative sexual life force energy can do. You hear me say this over and over. Sexual energy is creative energy. This is the energy that creates new life. If you aren't making babies with this energy, you can use it for fueling your life. And if you are at the stage of your existence where you aren't making babies anymore, then you have even more of this energy available to channel into your world. Spiritually speaking, women can use their sexual life force energy for ascension into higher states of consciousness. You can do this outside of menopause as well, but because you don't have the release of energy that happens with a monthly menstrual period that most women do, you have immediate access to this energy in its form to go straight up, straight up and out and used for spiritual purposes. And that's why you see a lot of description in various non-Western cultures about the wise woman, the elder shaman, because she now has even more and easier access to these realms. So isn't it interesting that at the very moment this happens, Western medicine slash snake oil wants to interrupt this process by drugging up the woman, cutting out her organs, which are her access points for these energies. This is one of the true gifts of menopause that most women have no idea is available to them. And like with any energy, if you suppress it or don't use it for its highest capacity, it will invert back on you and cause destruction. So the fourth reason why women may experience symptoms of menopause, i.e. being out of balance, is because they are not sexually owning themselves. The Anami guarantee is that everyone can, at every age and every stage. All women can be salacious, ravenous, multi-orgasmic, and wet, 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 especially at menopause. As one of our all-stars once said, she produces tsunamis of lubrication. That is one of my favorite all-time quotes ever. Another one says, I am wet, 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 wetter than wet. And another one says, I am dripping wet all over the place. So yeah, no problems there. <laughs> when women go through menopause and they are inhabiting their sexual energy and selves, they have the time of their lives like these women are. 
and like Amber Jean, who is our well-fucked all-star for today. I am juicy, gushingly alive down there, 50 fucking six years old and wetter than I've been in decades. With the exception of anal sex, lube is no longer necessary, ever. And she's right on the money there. The only place I do encourage the excessive use of lube is for anal sex. She has some other reality and allopathic medicine-defying healing stories as well, such as she can now have cervical orgasms even without having a cervix. And after a few weeks of doing the breast massage practices in The Well-Fucked Woman, she had two large lumps in her breast disappear that have not returned. How do you like them apples? We'll hear all about these experiences, plus how she went from having sex a few times a month to nearly daily sexcapades. Well fucked all stars. All right. Welcome, Amber Jean. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about your juicy menopause experiences. So to, were you having less juicy experiences before you began doing this work? Like where were you and where did you come to? Wow. Um, where I was uh, and menopause. So for me, I went through... Uh, some difficult years. I was struggling with a fibroid in my uterus. I was so sure that it could be healed holistically. And I tried all sorts of things. And in retrospect, I was looking for you. I just didn't find you back then. This was in 2010. And I, I could, I was able to, with all different modalities, like acupuncture and things shrink this this fibroid and but then it would grow again and i did diet i did all sorts of things um it eventually became five pounds and it was the size of a football and my uterus was like the size of a five-month pregnancy it was very disabil de debilitating and um during this time sexually uh yeah i had all sorts of uh issues about my body and this blockage and pain, things like that. And eventually when I got to be the, this so overwhelming, I finally succumbed to surgery and I had a hysterectomy. So menopause, I, I kept my ovaries. And um, so menopause didn't really happen until later, although there was some confusion with my body and all sorts of whatever back then. And um, it was a couple years later that I started hearing about the jade egg and started looking into the jade egg as a way of healing and healing my trauma and my drama around the loss, which for me was really, really painful and huge. Sexually before um, working with the jade egg and doing your vaginal kung fu course and then followed by the well-fucked woman. Yeah, it was light years of difference. It's, it's hard to even, I don't even want to think about <laughs> pre-anami pre days. All right, is there anything you could, okay, so were you having, were you using lube? 
Definitely. Yes. Well, um, yes. Not only that, um, as I got older, so that was my, my hysterectomy was 13 years ago. Then I continued to age and, um, and I was, I'm sure I was probably, how old are, are you now? I'm 56. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know in my late forties, my girlfriends who were a similar age or older, it was just common knowledge amongst all of us that, um, lube was just accepted. I think it's sad, but it's, it just seems to be accepted by women that as we get older, we're going to dry out. And well, even I younger, like I was, even younger pardon? though, like women accept lube as being a normal part of a sex life, even in their twenties, even when they start having sex. So it might be yeah. emphasized more when you get older, but it's still part of the narrative throughout all of a woman's sexual experiences. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with you. Definitely. I think it was just talked about openly and I felt like my, between girlfriends and late at this point, like around this time in my late forties, um, coconut oil was, was talked about as like the the healthiest alternative versus like sex shop loops or whatever, um, fake materials. And then not only is it just, natural and but it's also like um antibacterial those kinds of things it's like good for you so we commonly accepted and talked about our coconut oil and uh one of my girlfriends gave me a little candle like tea light it's a little uh thing that you would heat like uh, butter up for dipping sauce kind of thing for my coconut oil. And she thought she used the same thing so you could get it nice and warm. I live in Montana, it's a cold climate. And I thought that was awesome and it was next to the bed and that was just accepted as part of my sex life. Uh, another girlfriend, we were laughing cause she realized that when she would make breakfast uh, her husband would get horny like on the weekends when she was cooking and it's cause she was cooking with coconut oil. <laughs> and coconut oil becomes such a part of their sex life that that would just, you know, turn them on. And yeah, that was, that was my, that was just part of sex, no matter what part of lubing, lubing my body, but no, no longer, no, absolutely not. Okay. So how would you describe things now? What's your relationship with lube? if you even have one. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, massage oil for just massaging my husband's body and that kind of thing, other parts. But when it comes to my vagina, it's just so luscious and juicy. And I, I would describe it. I, I, I remember when I was in high school, I used to we, you know, it was like called you cream your undies. I'd like cream my undies when you get horny or whatever. And it's, it's like, I just, I cream my undies like all the time and it feels so good. I feel like, a, I just feel like a, a vivacious teenager from the inside out. That's fantastic. So yeah. how did that come to be? Like, what were some of the steps that you took to get there, to get to this place of gushing juiciness? What do you think were some of the important milestones and tools along the way for you? Well, for me, definitely the jade egg. And I had acquired one 
through like Amazon. I had heard about them from here and there, but I didn't really know what to do with it. It ended up like in my underwear drawer. And um, yeah, I was looking for someone to help teach me. And looking online, you, you, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole and just hear and see all sorts of things that some of it resonated. Some of it was like, what, really? Just stick it in and your dream life will be good. I don't know. Just stick crazy. Stick it in, walk around the house, do it while you're yeah. vacuuming, you know, sleep with it inside of you. I know all of the weird, f wrong advice that people get given online. One of the breakthroughs for me and in, in something that was interesting, that twist, that part that pulled me in is that once I started the work initially with vaginal Kung Fu was that I just kind of wanted to lift weights and and get good and there was not it's not just about technique and just just like pumping weights there's the whole spiritual and the relationship with self and the feminine and i i definitely had that but i realized in the very beginning of your course doing um some of the initial things even even like the breast massage but also just going in with my own fingers i was like i didn't think of myself as somebody who was would be resistant to that. But honestly, I felt kind of that part I wanted to be lazy about, like lift weights, okay. But going on inside that for me, I was like, oh, I want my husband to take care of that. He can do all that. He can make that part feel good. But um, that was one of the ahas. And one of the big shifts for me was going inside, learning how to embrace, learning to love myself, learning to find beauty in my parts, both, both inside, outside, Breasts, bought all of that, and that was one of the shifts to um, that was that was huge and major, and one that I just that keeps deepening for me in a beautiful way, beautiful. Of the self knowledge and self love, especially your the essence of you, your genitals. Yes, especially that, and you know, after I started doing the work, which. I don't even know if that's really a fair word because it really is the play. The play. But yeah, I know whenever I say <laughs> yeah. the work, I kind of shift it to the work and the play because I realize it's not quite accurate. I was very um, sensual and sexual as a young person. I think it was smothered and squeezed and stomped and, and fretted out of me, you know, and to embrace that and bring that back in. And of course, my husband's been super welcoming. And he's been encouraging all along. And he started really early on, like as I was doing this work, commenting on how how healthy and how beautiful my pussy looked and 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 how it just changed. And and you know, I I loved hearing it, but I've more recently, even more recently, just really come to own it and feel it and and believe it and just like love to be you know attached and I, I mean I like breathe from there a lot I like grab myself sometimes just for that just out of that pure like mm, you know just it's good it's so, it's so good beautiful so that's such a huge piece in the what I see as being key to women having pleasurable and you know lively menopause or post-menopause experiences where they really own their sexuality, own their pussy, and the way you describe it are very good descriptions of ownership um, multi-dimensionally. 
but that's the key right and so many women are dissociated and cut off and then that atrophy shows up in the tissues right that level of disconnect shows up and a disconnect can even show up to the extent where people get things cut off they're so cut off from their own sexuality and body parts that they get removed right and then they can start as in your case that reclamation process back to owning and i think it's an essential part of healing after a process like that because we get questions all the time you know when i talk about cervical orgasms and women will be like oh well what if someone you know they don't have a cervix and i say well (laughs) you can still have a cervical orgasm even without a cervix just like amber here which we'll talk about in a moment but there's also all the healing and integration work that's required to do that if somebody has that kind of procedure there's some level of underlying disconnect and you know dissociation and lack of inhabiting of that energy that needs to be bridged and healed for someone to get to integrate that procedure and you know maybe someone like you in their later years they come into this sexual work after doing or making a decision like that or you know many women just don't know what they don't know and they go ahead on the advice of their physician and they do these things um And some of them more electively than others, right? Like they can just casually remove these parts. And then the work becomes, well, you know, what were the issues in our tissues, as Wim Hof says? Like, what was it that was going on there that led to that happening? So you are such a great example because you you now have cervical orgasms without having a cervix. So tell us about that because I'm going to be pointing a lot of women towards this episode to inspire them and let them know what's possible. Oh, yes, definitely. Well, just to reiterate again about the issues in the tissues, like I intuited that before I had the hysterectomy. And for years, I just felt like there was something amiss and that there's some way to heal it. But I hadn't been, and as much as I searched then, I, I just didn't come across the kind of beliefs and coaching that, that, you're, that you offer the world. And I so wish I had, and that's that's why I'm here talking today because I and I do see it. It's it's just heartbreaking. But I have girlfriends who have diagnosis and and they don't want to talk about it. You know, other ones are hungry for it and they want to hear and they believe the, the same way. And 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 um, for sure that I had issues and those kind those issues that I had from that led towards even having that blockage. And having that tissue, um, I've been able to through through working with you and the things that I've learned in these in these processes. I've been able to um, heal those issues that were present before I ever even had the hysterectomy. You know, so then the hysterectomy happened, cervix no longer, and so at the very beginning of uh, of uh, the well fucked woman when you spoke of cervical orgasms, I, I just, I just, I just wanted to cry. I just cringed. And then, and then the guilt, you know, door just slammed. And I just went, I knew what I should have, you know, like, and, and I asked you in one of the phone calls, which is such a wonderful thing also about working with you is we have a chance to ask you questions directly. I said, what happens if you don't have a cervix? And, and, um, and when you, 
said, well, you can, you know, just like a soldier or, or someone may lose a limb, and it's like a phantom limb, it, it still can exist energetically. That made so much sense to me. And it was just all the permission I needed. It was just, it was like, you just, you just gave me the magic potion to believe and to know that I could. And thank God, because yes, the cervical orgasms are, um, they're, well, they're, they're, I was gonna say out of this world, they're, they're more like otherworldly. And the sensitivity, and it's taken a while. It wasn't instant, it wasn't overnight for me, um, but, it's, but it's so worth it. I just, just a couple of days ago, I had a cervical orgasm just using my jade egg and energetic work. And it was so, it was, it was so beautiful. It was just so beautiful to feel that level of, of um, connection. And by connection, it's, yes, connection to myself, to my body, to my cervix. I feel energetically like I have a womb and then I'm that creative part of myself is really strong. And when I visualize, I don't visualize anything but but a, an actual womb, like a, what, well, what I would envision my womb to be. What do your cervical orgasms do for you? Well, what do they do for me? They, well, they're, they're very, they're very spiritual. Like, so the, so the G spot orgasms, which I love are, are like, they're, they're, they're sort of wave like so really, I feel like the whole my whole vagina like that whole part of me is very much in that juicy feminine watery flow in a powerful way so to describe it you know it would be almost like a lake like a nice like a lake a mountain lake and and the g-spot orgasms are are like the waves on the lake and they can be like little lapping the shore and, and the vulva can be in, like involved and they can be of that, that sort of, that sort of subtle nature. And then they can be bigger and more tumultuous. And then the cervical is like the deep depths of this, like, like beautiful, deep, deep, that's, that's, that's connected to the waves on this. It's just, it's, it's, it's connection. That's very much of my body but also beyond my body. And um, it can be solo or with my husband. And with my husband, um, it's there's then also that connection with him. And so it's like, we're both in the lake, you know? And, um, and then beyond, like we're in the lake and we're beyond the lake. And it's hard to describe. It's really hard to describe, I guess. And um in terms of bliss and pleasure and physical sensations how does that feel scrumptious i can't imagine life without it it actually it makes me so sad to think and know that um i might have missed this i might have missed totally missed all of it if i hadn't of of taken these courses and done this work and and i I see and feel so strongly that more women need to know and believe and, and dive in and enjoy. Live, it's like living fully. 
and I, I accept it otherwise as normal. Mm-hmm. So speaking of your husband, you went from having sex a few times a month to having nearly daily sexual adventures. So tell us about that. <laughs> well, um, once you have a good ta- taste of a good thing, I mean, it's hard. It's yeah, it's, an- it's another way for us to be, I mean, it's, it's just so good. Kim, it's like, why wouldn't you, you know? Um, but you yeah. had a, you had a, you know, kind of like a dry time where you weren't having mm-hmm. sex very often. So how did you go from not having sex very much to then having sex daily? Well, I think um, it was it, mostly it had a lot, lot to do with with me getting more sensitive. He was always willing to to assist in whatever way possible, and was has been amazing that way. Just helping feel, helping work through um, tightness around my cervix that came from I think can just come. In fact, I'm so aware now that if if there's something stressing my life, if there's something between him and I, I can feel it in, in, and it's like almost like this, um, like a, like a tight ache that I know it's like, it's like a muscle that needs to be massaged or, you know, would, would benefit from a hot tub or, you know, that kind of a thing. I can feel that. And I just know by listening that, Ooh, um, it's time, you know, and it, it might not, you know, like I said, it might be on a daily basis, depending on what's going on or if we're working through something, especially um, stressful, uh, then I can feel it there. <laughs> right. So you're, you're sensitive to some issues in the tissues because they register there and mm-hmm. the sense that they need probing and penetration and illumination that can all happen from a divine cock and your own attention there yes yes and his lips and his tongue and his fingers and yeah all of it all of it and um yeah it's like a it's it's become for me this this place i tap into constantly like way more than once a day like when I when I need a bit of grounding, I'm I'm I live very much in the in the woods and in the wilderness. That's a big part of my life, and so, um, so to be able to bring and breathe energy from the earth, but my but my vagina and my 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 womb is a huge part of that. And even before starting something daunting like a really particularly steep ice climb, you know, on a frozen winter day in Montana, um, you know, I can be warming up my hands and, and all geared up and ready to go. And then I'll take a breath from, from there and bring it up through and back down again. And boom, I'm just, you know, it's a tool we have. It's the best tool. It's like the golden key, right? Energy source to plug into. Mm hmm. So you also had a very positive transformational experience with breast massage. Mm-hmm. What happened there? Yes. So um, the breast massage, 
uh, is something that is has become daily for me. It's a wonderful way to start the day, no matter how tired you are or sleep deprived. It's like the easiest thing for me. Um, I had a couple lumps in one of my breasts that one of them grew to the size of like a walnut and uh, very rapidly. And the the specialist said that they were just cystic and, and nothing to worry about, that there was fluid in them and said they could be removed, but women who get them tend to continue to get them. So if I removed them, they might come back. And right after that diagnosis is when I began the breast massage. And within less than a month, it wasn't even four weeks, both, both of these cysts disappeared totally. And I'd had them for quite a while, right? And just going back to the issues in the tissues, there was just issues there. And I don't have great big breasts. My mother had small breasts. She had seven sisters who were really voluptuous. And my mother ended up with breast cancer. And I just really feel like how we feel about our breasts, what things, things that have been handed down and perhaps ancestrally, also with my mom and the shame and the small breasts and then myself, small breasts. And, and oh, they, they grew, there's that. <laughs> I mean, they grew just through the breast massage. Um, then there was, then we were married and yeah, I didn't take any lumps to my wedding. And then a couple years later, there was a really tough period with all sorts of things in life. And I wasn't doing the breast massage consistently. I was, things were more detached, I think. Yeah, it was just a tough time. And uh, the the lumps reappeared just for a short bit. Because as soon as they, they did, I was like, ah. Oh little little note and so I dive back in with the breast massage adding lots of love and light that kind of thing and I haven't had them since and that's interesting to hear you using their reappearance as a message as information that okay I need to put attention and love here because my view is that even if someone elects to remove something from the body not just will it come back because they say whatever this is prone to happen but I think things come back because the root cause hasn't been addressed someone hasn't gone to the deeper levels of healing that would actually it's like pulling something out at the root and getting rid of it Otherwise, you know, there can be multiple surgeries and different expressions on the body. So did you come to a different place of breast love through doing the massage that then changed that relationship you had with your breasts? Yes, definitely. And and like you said, the the issues in the tissue and the trauma and then the healing, it's like as I get as I get more advanced as each breakthrough and then I find other layers of healing that need to be done and my body will tell me right so what kinds of shifts have you seen in your outer life as in your creativity abundance what have you noticed in that way that I talk about when a woman or a man are really inhabiting their sexual energy not only does their sex life improve but they start to see these expressions of growth in every part of their life. So what did you observe? Well, definitely the amount of openness and 
juiciness and surrender and connection that I that I'm feeling and expressing in my body radiates beyond. And so my I'm an artist, my studio life, my work, um, the courage, pushing the edge, like even climbing for me and in the other adventures that I do, like I can have uh, much more centered courage, much more willingness to, to push that edge, which for me also I believe is where most creativity comes from. And it's like this back and forth dance between the two where I can I can just feel when I open up and 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 have that full expression sexually, sensually, energetically, spiritually. Yes. So what message would you give to women who are at the cusp or full in menopause or past it? What would you like to say to them? What would you like them to know? It's never too late. Like I can't imagine um, not having accessed this, this level of juiciness, this livingness. It's just something that radiates because of all of this, right? And yeah, the it's it's like how would I, I yeah I would just I just I want I want everyone to experience it even if it's you know I I can't imagine I I know there's women older way older than me who've come to this kind of lovely juiciness through this kind of work as well and you don't want to miss it. What advice would you give them? What advice would I give them to? Well, if if they're thinking about be about your courses in particular, like it's a no brainer for me. Honestly, it was it was a it, one. It was a big financial uh, um, commitment for me at the time, and I had never done anything quite like that online. But you had like this uh, satisfaction guarantee, totally. And that was that was the kicker for me that allowed me to say, well, if it doesn't work, you know, it's, that, helped, that helped me too. Like you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Amazing. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um... No, I'm just actually, Kim, just deep gratitude, deep, deep heartfelt gratitude for, for the work that you've done and for the ways that you've expressed in the world and how you've, how many women you've turned on to this art that we've forgotten that's always been there that, that I think once we remember to remember feels so right and good. I'm deeply appreciative. Bookmark and send this episode to anyone who is telling you that menopause is a legit reason for not lubricating, orgasming, or having an off-the-charts sex life. Nah, 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 nope. There is a cornucopia of cum available to you. 
My How to Be a Well-Fucked Woman salon opens for registration in two weeks. This is my eight-week online signature salon for women that shows you how to be well-fucked at every age and stage, including and especially menopause. We cover much of what Amber talked about, including breast massage to tone, lift, and enlarge the breasts, as well as healing holistic breast care practices, natural hormone balancing, living a life with no lube except for anal play, and then you can lube it up, well-fucked menopause, how to have the deeper vaginal orgasms, G-spot, squirting, and cervical, my cock-whispering secrets to ecstatic blowjobs, deep-throating, anal play, and manual techniques to bring him to his knees, how to surrender and activate your feminine magnetism, and much, much more. Go to kimanami.com, click on sexual savant salons, look for how to be a well-fucked woman. You can get on the mailing list to be notified of when the salon opens for sign-up, and in the meantime, you can take the how underfucked are you quiz and watch the well-fucked woman free preview video series. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.